Welcome to the Modern Yogi Podcast, an exploration of ancient wisdom. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome back. Welcome back to our first podcast episode of 2023. Mind blown. And we're, we want to owe you, we owe you apology because we did take a little bit of a, a rather long break uh, during the holidays. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of like a break where you could catch up, look at all the episodes again. Yes. We posted a lot out there that some people got a little behind. So, you know, it was a good <laughs> opportunity for that. Yeah, so hopefully you're all caught up and you're ready for chapter five. Yeah, yes. so we want to thank the people that have stuck with us up until this point in the journey. We know we've gotten some feedback that they were waiting to, when's the next episode coming out? So here we are and thank you so much to you guys listening that have stuck around. Yes, and just so you know, for reassurance, we will be completing this entire Gita, okay? <laughs> so don't give up on us, okay? And just thank you so much for tuning in every single week or whenever you're listening to us. We are so grateful that we have listeners all over the world. Truly, truly. We really are happy. And if you want to find out when we're taking a break or when we're coming back on, we're usually on Instagram, so you can check our Instagram, which is at Modern, Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. At Modern Yogi Podcast. All right. <laughs> so this is episode number 31, and we are on chapter five, text number 13. Right. And we've covered a lot of grounds in the Gita so far, because just a quick recap, chapter five, which is titled Karma Yoga, Action in Krishna Consciousness. The initial chapter started off with Arjuna saying, okay, Krishna, first of all, you asked me to renounce work. Then you recommended me to work with devotion. And I love this line. He's like, now, will you kindly tell me definitely which of the two is more beneficial? Because they sound a little opposing at first glance. But when we dive deeper into karma yoga, we realize that that's a way to transform our day-to-day -day work, be it direct devotional service or indirect, through our internal state of mind, our consciousness, our qualities that we're cultivating, we are able to make it devotional service. Krishna says, one who neither hates nor desires the fruits of his activities is known to be always renounced. So I love there was one part that we had read a while ago that Two people might be doing the exact same thing on the outside, going through their day, going to work, blah, 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 going through the routine of life. But one might be a pure elevated devotee and the other might be totally on the bodily shackled down platform. And it's just an internal state of mind. So, of course, who wouldn't want to do direct devotional service all the time, which is like, what, what are some examples of direct devotional service that we've talked about? Maybe, I don't know, cleaning the temple all mm -hmm. the time, right? Or yeah. making garlands for right. the deities. Yeah. But Singing if, exactly. in the community. Exactly. So chanting. But if you don't have the luxury to make that your 24-7 activity and you have to work and maintain yourself and your family, then karma yoga is the answer because through your inner state of mind, you can transform your day-to-day -day actions into a state of devotional service. So Krishna's basically breaking it down. Arjuna, mm -hmm. I love that what you mentioned in the first line. It's like, can you can you kindly uh, tell me definitely? Like, <laughs> what do you want me to do, Krishna? Because mm -hmm. you've told me a lot of different things, but like, what's the best one? What is the most optimal one? Right, because when Krishna says renounce work, ah, is he really saying run to the forest, Arjuna, and don't fight? I thought that was the whole point. Don't run to the forest yes. and yeah. fight. So. And, so, and he also says here on text three, he's saying it's... The the person who neither hates nor desires like the fruits of his activities, right? So like making the most money from your job or right. this, like the the, re, the results of your actions, that person is actually truly renounced, right? Exactly. So renunciation doesn't just mean like close my eyes, go to the forest, not have to think about anyone, worry about anyone and just kind of do my own thing. But it mm -hmm. actually means like 
living in this material world and still being able to remember like what our real goal is. Yeah. Right? Not worrying about what the good things that happen to us, not worrying about the bad things, but remembering that goal. Exactly. Yeah. Beautiful. So, well, should we do the invocation prayers or is there anything yeah. else in the recap? Let's do it. All righty. Om Timirandasya Gyananjana Shalakaya Shakshurum Militam Yena Tasmai Shri Gurve Namaha Translation. I was born in the darkest ignorance and my spiritual master opened my eyes with the torch of knowledge. I offer my respectful obeisances onto him. Oof, that Jai. gets me every time. So I got chills right there. I love so it. So beautiful. It's nice to be back doing this oh, with you guys. I love you, ladies. This is great. I feel so really excited. good. Yeah. Yeah, I just want to remind everyone, this is a book club. We're all, learn- mm-hmm. we're all learning together and we're really excited to be back yeah. and have you guys be here with us. And being a new year, I quickly just want to take one second to let's set an intention like for ourselves in this group for the rest of the year. What do we want to bring? I think everyone listening, you can silently or send us messages. What is the intention that you're making? Make your own intention. Maybe it could be something as simple as while I listen to this, I want to really be actively thinking How can I just, rather than absently be hearing this, how can I actually bridge the gap and apply these teachings to my life, Mm -hmm. right? Because it's so easy to just go along hearing like, yeah, 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 that sounds great. I agree philosophically, nice morals, but that's it. Then you just hear it. Your spiritual life is there. And then miles away is your day-to-day life. So what is our personal intentions? Personal or like as Personal within this Well, I was going to say, I mean, I think we can finish the whole Bhagavad Gita. I know that was was going to be mine. That was going to be mine. (laughs) I was like, I intend to finish this entire Gita I think we can do it. I mean, we're on chapter five and we've been doing this for a couple of months. I think we can Mm -hmm. definitely do it. And I love that. that. Let's make that one intention for us. Love that. That's That's the only one that I had. (laughs) No. Oh, I feel like you guys have better intentions. No, no, that'll be our practical intention. Okay, How about then our emotional intention can be, I want to really try as I'm reading or as I'm chanting or praying, do it more mindfully, more in it rather than absentmindedly. I want to be in an open hearted space of really taking it in and surrendering like, I don't know. I want to try to bring that feeling of devotion to the I, practice. I love that. Beautiful. Family. So nice. What about you, Creator? <laughs> what is your emotional intention? <laughs> we both looked at each other at the same time and I just spoke a little too slow. So she got me first. Um, I think for me, something that I've been thinking about, I have sort of a teacher personality. And for me, it's always like, how can I make it so simple that anyone, including myself, can mm-hmm. make it so applicable and it's like easy to remember. And I think I want to try to do that more as we go on and on. So mm-hmm. just make it so clear and so simple. You can be like, oh, yeah. One, two, three. I can do those things. Mm. Priya, I love that. Like just a little bit easier. I mean, it's going to take me a little time, but that's my intention to really, because it's honestly, the Bhagavad Gita is so deep and there's so much information, but I want people to listen to this podcast and remember a few takeaways, you know? And so hopefully we can get to that point. That's that's my goal. Because you know what you said, I think is also at the essence of it. It is simple. We, we, we maybe it sounds complicated. We complicate things in our mind as we're breaking down the philosophy it can sound overwhelming, but really it's, it's simple at its core. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. It, it just takes a little time to sort of break it down and then make it super yeah. digestible. Yeah. Right. And you know, one thing I want to say with one group that also we talk about a lot of the bhakti practices I brought up, uh, we're trying to embody the point of what's your 1% for this week. So what you said, Priya, keeping it simple made me think of that. Like what's 1% of something that you can do a 
little better each week mm. and be, maintain Ooh, I like it. that. So rather than I got to chant a bunch of rounds, I got to meditate for yeah. two hours a day. No, what's just 1% you can do. That's and awesome. Maintain that. I love that. The lazy part of me is like, I only have to do one <laughs> extra percent. That's great. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a line in the Gita that Krishna even says, if you maintain, like, uh, for example, in, in material life, if we don't get a hundred or whatever, it Everything we put into it, the work is lost. So in spiritual life, if you put 1%, you pick up where you left off. And at the next point, you'll pick up in 2%. Wherever mm. you pick up again, be it in five years, next week, whatever. So anyway. <laughs> That's awesome. So Shamas and Gita. Oh, yes, my emotional intention. Right. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think it's very important for me to absorb and bring this wisdom that Krishna teaches into my life on a daily basis because life can be hard. We can get into arguments with people. We can mm -hmm. get into arguments with family members. Like we can get into so many things. But if we actually like for me, just absorb this wisdom, because if we're just reading the book and not listening to anything, then what's the whole point, right? Mm -hmm. If we can practically, practically, <laughs> speak <laughs> English, speak English. <laughs> if we can practically absorb this information, that will be the greatest thing for our mm. soul's journey in this lifetime. Right. That was so beautiful. Mm. And I did not expect it and only did not expect it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it was like a compliment job. <laughs> we didn't expect no, it from you, Not Shama. in a bad way. Not in a bad way. But it's just really funny because I you're you're working on being a comedian. You're yes. being a comedian. Yes. And I just really thought you were gonna bring the funnies into the Bhagavad Gita and that was gonna be your intention. I don't know why. That's just like my assumption. And and that was so deep and beautiful. So thank yeah. you. Thank yeah. you so much. But it's true though, because like at the end of the day, like life can be hard guys. And so, and Krishna has the entire blueprint, the, mm -hmm. the entire, the entire yes. Ikea manual right in front of us. And so he, that, Sorry, you said manual. I was going to let it go. Damn it. I've never, like, I'm like having trouble speaking English right now. We haven't done this a lot, but We're the, just a what is it? How do you say Manual. <laughs> manual. What did I say? Yeah, that's <laughs> manual. Krishna have the manual for us right here. Here. Okay. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. Uh, but no, no, but he uh, has the whole manual for us right here. And we just got to read it and absorb it. That's it. Yeah. We're really excited <laughs> to be back. If you can't tell, we're like very happy right. right now. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Okay. So we Text are 13, chapter five. Priya, do you want to take it away for yes, us? Yes, I got it. All right. When, oh, actually, let me ask who's reading this. It's Krishna, right? Krishna's talking now. I think so. I believe so, yes. Okay, yes, cool. Yes. Okay, yeah. let's do this. Okay. When the embodied living being, aka us, mm -hmm. controls his nature and mentally renounces all actions, he resides happily in the city of nine gates, the mm. material body, neither working nor causing work to be done. Okay. Interesting. So the city of nine gates is basically the body yeah. right right there's one part of the purport that clarifies a little what is it's like the our city no, of nine gates it's like oh basically the the ins and outs of let's our body it. let's do it so what are the nine gates of the body eyes two eyes two nostrils two nostrils two ears two ears so that's six one mouth, mouth one mouth seven the anus eight and the genitals correct nine Gates. Gates. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, God, do I finish that sentence? Nine orifices. <laughs> Correct. Right. Yeah. So basically they're just saying, because if you think about it, you're, how do you control your hearing? Like what you expose yourself to, what you see, what you breathe, what you eat, what you, everything that you experience, right? Right. right. So that's, that's kind of the, so they're saying someone resides happily in the nine gates, 
when they are able to control their nature and mentally renounce all actions. Mentally. So they can be happy inside of this body. Mentally. Mentally right. And okay. that's interesting because, right, it says all the activities of the body or this figurative city are conducted automatically by its particular modes of nature. So, mm-hmm. you know, our body does its thing and half the time we have no idea what's even going on. Right. You know, I, when I was reading that, I thought it meant like breathing, you know, like we don't really right. think about breathing. But I also think it means more so like the our nature, for example, someone who's a workaholic. Oh, naturally, I also thought of it that way. The nature yeah. what you're, yeah, continue Yeah, so though. like nature is like... If you're a workaholic, you're just like, your mood is like, I'm going to work, right? Like you don't even think about it. It's almost mm. as comfortable as it is to breathe. Exactly. Because you know? we talked about, you know, in Bhakti Yoga, they talk about we all are governed by our natures. We yeah. have different modes of nature, goodness, passion, ignorance, right. and in varying degrees. So our body does its thing in according to the specific nature that we have mm-hmm. in this life. And that was determined by our actions from our previous life that accumulated enough mm-hmm. reactions and then we're born with a body that our matches karma. our karma. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So it, and then it goes further to say the soul, although subjecting himself to the conditions of the body, can be beyond those conditions if he so desires. Right. Because if Ooh, you're aware... Like, I love that. Yeah. Like To bring back to the example of a person who's a workaholic, let's say, because it doesn't have to be a workaholic. It could be anyone, right? But it, just to give a very visual example, someone who understands that they're not this body and mm-hmm. that there's more to life will realize maybe working so much my whole life and making my whole life about working isn't the purpose, right? Exactly. So that if you are aware of that, then you can be happier than if you are just kind of going through life without realizing the purpose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yes. Right. Exactly. So many times we identify so much with this body and forget completely that there's something beyond that because it, it's, it says in the purple, owing only to the forget for forget. Oh my God. Asta, the, your disease. <laughs> I know it's contagious. <laughs> my disease is contagious. <laughs> Manual. <laughs> so on, owing only to the forgetfulness of our superior nature, we completely identify with the body and therefore suffer. So, right. When we forget we're something eternal, something everlasting, we're not this temporary body that when it dies, it's going to be just a sack of bones and yeah. grotesque things. You know, what you just said at the very beginning, you said something along the lines of um, when you you forget that, mm. oh gosh, you phrased it so well and it clicked something in my brain. Basically, oh, the sometimes idea Sometimes I is, spew genius. And I <laughs> you do actually. <laughs> um, you said, uh, basically what it reminded me of was like, if you Oh, yes. You get so caught up in like being this body, right? Right. So like, let's say I'm a workaholic, right? I get so caught up with that mindset. Like I have to work. I have to work that you end up suffering. Why? Because you might lose your job and that's your identity and that's everything for you, right? So that idea that you identify so deeply with your nature rather than with understanding the big picture, right? right? Like you might identify I'm a teacher, I'm a teacher, and then you lose your job as a teacher and then you're like, what am I, right? But that's Mm -hmm. not really who you are. That just might be your nature, your desire in this lifetime that's such a great example because like i've been on tiktok recently and like early 2023 there's so many tech layoffs that happen Mm. right like everyone is losing their jobs and a lot of people are broadcasting that stuff on tiktok and so like i've seen people just cry profusely on tiktok because they've identified so much with being like an Mm. amazon software engineer or Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and so what happens when that is taken away from you yeah Mm -hmm. and like the attachment comes to not just the nature, but also the title, the position, all the yes. things. Right. And it's, it's like, okay, but at the end of the day, you're going to be okay. You have a skill right. set and all these things. Remember the big picture. Sometimes it's really hard because we're conditioned 
within nature, right? And it kind of comes later and, and talks more about like where this nature even comes from, right? Right, right. And, and imagine if the, your body is all you've got, boy, is getting old going to be a tough road ahead because yep. then everything you've put your energy into is all of a sudden coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And in Krishna consciousness or Bhakti Yoga, we think of the body as just like a jacket, right? That you go putting on and off as your soul goes from one life to the next. So we got to stop loving just the jacket and thinking we're only a jacket when we're so much more than that. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you guys were to explain this verse to an eight-year-old, right? right? Like, I think this verse actually answers like, how do we be happy, right? Like, how do we be happy within this human body? Mm. And so how would you give the answer to an eight-year-old? I mean, I, I think this means resides happily in the body. Wow, that is... How that do you is, be happy yeah. in, in a human life? Well, I think it's when you put your efforts and energy into something beyond just the body. Boom. So like... I love that. Yeah. You know, with when you, when you have this... When you're cultivating this consciousness, kids who are born into families of bhakti yogis or whatever, they try to cultivate these simple practices like you're not just this body. And that's a huge concept, but you Very can kind huge. of explain it. And kids are so receptive. They're like... Oh yes, I'm a soul. Like the, we're not just flesh and bones and they get it. Mm -hmm. And then you start cultivating something eternal, something that goes beyond this world. So in, in the purport, it says by Krishna consciousness, one can revive his real position and thus come out of this embodiment that ties us down. And when we live our lives in such a controlled way where our deliberations are changed, we live happily within this city of nine gates. I love it. Shamali, that was beautiful. Oh, this is it's all good. Prabhupada. <laughs> yeah. So basically, yeah. once we are able to identify that, you know, Krishna is God, we are the soul, when we're able to identify these things that we've been talking in the Bhagavad Gita, then we are free, right? Like we're mm -hmm. actually free from these attachments that we have like, oh, I'm just a teacher, I'm just this, or I'm just that. Just got right? laid off. I'm Yeah. yeah. You understand mm -hmm. sort of the bigger picture. Bigger picture. I right. love that. Anything else, guys, Beautiful. on text number 13? No. Let's All move right. forward. Text number 14. The embodied spirit master of the city of his body does not create activities nor does he induce people mm. to act nor does he create the fruits of action all this is enacted by the modes of material nature okay let's that's very powerful you know the imagery that came to mind shama as you read the embodied spirit is kind of like that zen little light residing in you that's just observing everything He's not crying when he gets laid off. Mm -hmm. He's not jumping for joy when something good happens. These are all the fleeting things of this world. The soul is there witnessing it all, just waiting for you to turn your little energetic eyes back within and connect to something deep within you. I get your metaphor, but then I was like, wait a second. Uh, I am that little soul. So I am looking at myself from the inside. <laughs> <laughs> My brain. Turn no, your no, energy. No, no, no. Turn, huh? your, turn your energy back within. So rather than mm, giving all your right. energy out to all these external things, turn your, yeah, energetic eyes might have been confusing, but give your energy back No, no, not confusing. In. I just, it was like a funny visual for me. That's all. <laughs> okay, so what do you mean? So our soul yeah. does not partake in all of these activities well, that it says our body goes master through? Well, it the city of the body. So that imp implies that the soul that has already figured out how the body works and how like we... We don't let our body control us, right? So that means like if I'm like, oh, that that smells so good, I'm going to mm -hmm. eat it, right? Like being in control of your body, right, mm -hmm. means that you won't just eat because it smells good if you're right. not hungry, right? Like right. so kind of being balanced out that you understand how to, you control your body in a sense. Does that make sense? 
Right. And you, you control your body and don't just think I am just this body and my life is all for eating, mating, yes, exactly. sleeping. Exactly. And it's interesting, a step further, like the purport has a really powerful line that I like. Somehow the living entity has been in contact with the material nature since time immemorial. And I thought, wow. I mean, if you think about it, that we've been dealing with this material nature and so it's been so intertwined with our identities for mm -hmm billions of trillions of lives, more than we can even remember, it is really difficult to break that conditioning to finally put your foot down and be like, wait, I am more than just this material body. And there's something beyond this material world that I'm trying to cultivate that beyond. Um, and yeah, it says the temporary body or the material dwelling place. Oh my God. Temporary dwelling, dwelling place. Yeah. <laughs> Dwelling is a hard word, guys. <laughs> I don't dwelling, think it dwelling. is. <laughs> you did just fine. No, okay, rewind. The temporary body or material dwelling place, which we've obtained, is because of how we said before, the different activities and the resultant reaction. So we get a body with a nature based on what we've done before. And one suffers the results of the activities of this body because we identify ourselves out of ignorance with the body. And we've said before, ignorance is a strong word, but basically just to say, we don't know any better and we think confusion. we're just this body. Yeah, yeah exactly. I like to say confusion. Okay, Whenever confusion. there says ignorance, it's like, we're just really confused. You're a fool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so there's this notion of like, um, there's the last line of this verse is all of this is enacted by the n modes of material nature, right? We've mm. talked about goodness and passion and ignorance. And the purport talks about how the waves of the ocean are just tossing us around. We don't mm -hmm. have control. And that's true. Like we can't control mm -hmm. the weather. We can't control whether we get laid off. We can't mm -hmm. control how someone treats us. We can't control so many things. And so Prabhupada offers this, a solution. He says his best solution is to get out of the water by right. transcendental Krishna consciousness. Mm. The waves are going to throw you around, right? Yeah. But the best thing you can do is the smartest thing that you can do is get out of the water. How right. do you do that? Through bhakti yoga. I love that whole comparison of we're in this material ocean, really just struggling for existence. I mean, Who's not struggling, right? What's yeah. that song? Uh, can I get no satisfaction? <laughs> We're like eternally dissatisfied. Yeah. It's, it's moments of happiness, but how deep are they really? Fleeting. Yep. Yeah, and I think that that last sentence ties in back to the actual text. So basically it means us, spirit, souls, right? In this body, once we're able to control our body and understand the bigger picture, then we don't create activities. And by that, it means karma. More karma. We don't mm -hmm. create karma. We also don't induce people to act, meaning we don't like push people to create karma. Right. 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 So like we, we control our words. So we don't encourage people to maybe do something that is going to get more. Like, for example, if you come to me and you say, oh, this person, they talk to me poorly and now I feel like I should get revenge or something. Right. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you should. That is me not being in control of my body, in control of my speech mm -hmm. to the point where I'm inciting you to go and do something and that's going to give you exactly more karma. So ideally, it's like they're kind of putting this big picture of like in this material world, it's really difficult and we are all creating karma and, you know, all of that. And so by being Krishna consciousness, we can try to be better by controlling right. our speech, what we all the actions of our body to right. not push other people to get bad karma and not get karma ourselves, right. good or bad, actually. Right. And there's, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, that's. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's one line I wanted to break down quickly because I think it's pretty powerful also. As long as he is in the city of the body, he appears to be the master of it, but actually he's neither its proprietor nor controller of its actions and reactions. So when I read that, I thought, right, we're in this body. So it's super easy to think I control this body. I'm the owner of it. I control its actions, its reactions, but 
how would you guys explain to someone that no, really, we're kind of like helplessly being thrown and tossed about this material ocean and we're not really that in control as we think? Um, I think that we're not in control is just because we still it's hard to learn just in general. Right. Like we that's we, one point. Yeah. Like we have it, like we can hear it, but then we have to put it into practice and lots of years of practice and become like good habits kind of right. thing. Lots of years of practice. <laughs> it's it's true. It sounds like, oh, it's easy. Yeah, it's easy in some sense, but it takes some effort. Right. So mm-hmm. um that's one aspect. And then mm-hmm. remind me what your question was. Again. I, I was just going to ask you. I was like, Shani, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> it's basically saying this line that says, as long as we're in this city, in this body of nine gates, we think we're the master, the controller, but we're not the controller mm. of its actions nor reactions. We're not the proprietor. Right. So what does that mean? Oh, I, I hear you. I hear you. So, I mean, it, because of the material nature, right? And because of the modes and everything else. Exactly. So, That's where I was kind okay, of going yeah, yeah. with my so thoughts. So that was the first part. It definitely has to be with the fact that we have to work on this. But the reason behind it is because we have desires, right? And the mm-hmm. desires come from many, many, like the beginning of it all, right? Like we desire to be Krishna, to have all the power he had, maybe the love of everyone the way he had, the yep. way he, whatever. All I the want things. to be God. Or it, even if it wasn't as explicit as that, it could right. have been, I want to be loved the way God is loved by yeah. everyone. Or I want to be as beautiful, whatever it might've been back in the Whoever, however many, many years. Many, many lifetimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. However many, right? And so we came to this world with certain desires. And based on those desires, the material, like um, goodness, passion, and mm-hmm. ignorance, there's a mixture of all of uh, all of that in us, right? Mm-hmm. A certain percentage. So like as a Latina, right. I might have more passion, right? Than other people who might not. Uh, right. I don't know if we want to, <laughs> but no, so basically, dissect I know, I don't want to, I don't want to do <laughs> that. Hilarious. But you, you get the idea that we basically come here with particular desires and with a nature that kind of encourages us to fulfill those desires. Exactly. Exactly. And so by having that nature be there because we want those things, there's always sort of an influence to try to f- get our desires met. Mm-hmm. And so we're kind of working on balancing that out and it's not mm-hmm. as easy it's like being in a in the ocean and being pushed by the right. waves right? i love the that line you hit the nail on the head uh, we have a certain nature that propels us or pushes us to do certain things so right. we might think we're so in control but we have this pure beautiful little soul or big i don't know soul it's what? pretty small yeah, very, it's tiny, tiny, very tiny, tiny. tiny. Oh, we went very over tiny. actually the, we yeah. so much <laughs> of the soul how long like talking about it for so yeah. many episodes anyway <laughs> so the tiny soul uh We think it's so pure and we're in control of our actions, but really our soul is being pushed around by our different natures. Like Priya said, goodness, passion, ignorance. And we're being pushed like, I don't know, people who get blackout drunk. I don't think anyone initially thinks like, I'm going to get, well, many people think I'm going to get wasted. Okay, let's say something horrible. Like no one goes in thinking I'm going to do bad things in my life and make bad decisions, but we're propelled by our natures. Like, yeah, people who get into really bad situations, I don't think initially they would have chosen that had you laid it all out for them. It's just yeah. we're pushed to do something. Actually, like we can kind of think about it as like uh, when they talk about children growing up and how they grow up, they talk about nurture versus yeah, nature, nature versus nurture. Right? Right. And so like nature is what we're talking about here, like the natural instinct that we come to this world with. Right. Yeah, right. The natural instinct to be uh, confrontational or non-confrontational right, right. or like talkative or non-talkative, whatever it might be, all of these qualities that we have that, you know, lead us to a certain so place. that nature comes from past life karma. Exactly. Yeah, it comes from past life actions past that we've life done. Actions, right. right. And reactions. Yeah. yeah. And it's hard to break out of our nature. So we end up, when we talk about this rat race, it literally is, we end up being caught in this rat race of, I'm just kind of giving into the impulses, my nature. I have an impulse to do something. Boom, I do it. 
Yep. subsequent reaction. Mm-hmm. I have an impulse, boom, I do it. And it's just a loop and it keeps me trapped here over until over. I do something to break the cycle or break the pattern. Yep. Yeah. And I think the best thing is to get out of the water. Right. You don't want to be pushed around, get out of the water. Get out of the water. And this is, and Krishna is giving the manual to get us out of the water. <laughs> the manual. <laughs> right? Fair. Yes. Anything else, Indeed. guys, on this text? All I thought about that is Krishna consciousness is basically the way to spread the gap between stimulus and response. So we Ooh. have a stimulus. Tell us more. <laughs> and we basically That's don't good. want to, boom, be thrust around by our impulses. We want to pause breathe, and then be able to act in a rational way. And the more and more we spread that gap between stimulus and response, the more in control of our actions we can be. And then the next step in control of our thoughts. And then the next step, just dedicate all of ourselves to devotional activities or karma yoga. Boom, shakalaka, full circle. (laughs) I love that. That's great. All righty. Text 15. Yeah. Nor does the Supreme Lord assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. I'm going to say that again. Nor does the Supreme Lord assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. Embodied beings, however, are bewildered because of the ignorance which covers their real knowledge. Interesting. So Krishna is not assuming that any of us are bad or good. We are placed in circumstances that allow us to change at any point, right? Right. Basically by our own doing, because it kind of says Krishna doesn't create any particular situation for us living beings, but the, but the living entity, meaning us bewildered by our ignorance, we have desires. So like Priya had explained before, we're pulled in different directions by these desires. And if we just stimulus and respond, Mm -hmm. we're going to be going in all directions, seeking happiness based on our different natures. But does that, so I think there's this notion in that very first line, nor does the Supreme Lord assume it, assume anyone's sinful or pious activities. There's this notion of freedom. We do have free will to yeah. choose, right? Mm-hmm. Krishna is not laying everything down and this is how your life is going to go and these are decisions you're going to make. You still have free will and he's not going to make any assumptions. Exactly. I, I want to ask, yeah. that word assumption or assume, is it saying that he doesn't take in any of your bad car- uh, like bad karma or like pious activities? I or is it saying that... He doesn't presume that you have like what, which one of the, what is the meaning? Mm. <laughs> I was trying to figure it out as you guys were talking. Assume I'm like, might mean he doesn't take on anyone's sinful or pious I think activities. That's, I that's think how that's, I read it. Yeah. Never mind them. <laughs> but no, <laughs> you know what, Shama, you're no. going in a direction of I actually broke down this purport into four themes and yes. free will. You hit upon the second theme that I wanted to bring up All in right, the let's purport do it. because there's a lot here to unpack. Honestly, the Gita is so brilliant that each line I could read 10 times and take out something different each time. So we're yeah. trying to like synthesize it the best we can for you guys listening, but it's, it's a lot. <laughs> break it's it down. Dense. Break it down. Wait, before you get to oh, yeah. That one. Let's go to the first one because yeah, I think yeah, it ties in one. back with the first thing that we were talking about, which That's, is a living entity by ignorance desires to be put in certain conditions of life, thereby his chains of actions and reactions begin. Exactly. Right? That's so what like I wanted we were to bring talking up about, that you right? were saying. Yeah. The nature thing. So it's like by nature and by not fully understanding the big picture of life, we get put into certain circumstances, certain conditions, right? Certain places, things that we do. Um, mm-hmm. And then that creates karma and then that creates the actions and reactions and like that's how right. we begin kind of collecting more time in this in body exactly. in a body and and big point there is the word by our own desires we desire right. something and we're just acting on it so Whatever comes our way, it started with our own desires. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I want to whatever I don't know get wasted tonight, so I'm gonna go out and buy a bunch of stuff, and I'm gonna then accumulate 
then I might do something stupid after that. And I'm going to accumulate a reaction for that just because of my initial impulse desire that I didn't control. You yeah. Know? And it, yeah. Could, it could also be something that's not negative, you yeah. know, like yeah. it could be like, I'm going to get a dog and then you like fall in love with the dog and you're like, I'm going to get a second dog. And then you get a second dog and then you're like five dogs in and then your whole life is dogs. And then and I'm then 90 <laughs> years old and I've taken care of 20 million dogs and haven't dedicated <laughs> anything to meditation. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't have to be like, oh, like some negative thing, but it could also just be our actions just have reactions. Like so additional karma, whether yeah. good or bad. Yeah. Right, right. And I love because it takes a step further. We're still under the theme of our desires. And it says the living entity, you know, our soul is full of knowledge. It's pure. But nevertheless, we're prone to ignorance due to our limited power because we're covered over. We have a body. We have it's covered over by Ooh, a nature. Can you know we talk what I about mean? that for yes. a second? Yeah. Because a lot of people's thought process that I've heard before is like, well, if there is reincarnation, why don't I remember my previous body? Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, well, that's a I mean, point. think about it. If you really knew that in your past life, let's just pretend, okay? If you knew that in your past life, you were, let's just say, let's give both examples, that you were either someone in a better position mm -hmm. or, yeah, let's say in a better position and you had all the greatness. How would you feel about your life right now? Oh, true. If you were a rich, wealthy person who had every possible thing and in this life you were born in a poor family with struggling situations, like what what would you think and how would that affect you? I don't think that would be good right? for our mental health. <laughs> or, or, but, but furthermore, like yeah. imagine remembering thousands of lives. Right. Drive we us could crazy. not handle it. Like yeah. and just I don't think our that capacity would... wouldn't, you know? Exactly. And that wouldn't benefit us anyway because what what... What use would it be to remember, oh, last life I was Sally and I was a teacher and I had three children. Blah, blah, blah. Those are those are almost like trivial facts in the greater scheme of things, because your your essence, you will carry with you the progress that was made. I was going to say that. Growth. Exactly. Oh, okay, okay, nice. So, no, that's great because it's it's true. Right. So, like, yeah, you can remember what you were in your past life and all of that. But Krishna gave us the great mercy of being able to connect back into the right path. Right. If we made any steps towards uh, understanding the big picture, understanding who we are, understanding who Krishna is and all of that, then in your next life, you're going to be forward in that path, right? Like exactly. 10%, 12% yeah. as you go slowly. So if you've had thousands of lives, like you're probably already at 99% and like you're almost there. Right. Like we said in the beginning about the 1%, whatever you've put into your spiritual bank account, the next time you pick up on your spiritual path, if you put 1%, you'll start from 2% in the next point. Right. Sometimes even more because Krishna always says, if you take exactly. one step towards me, I take 10,000 towards you. Yeah. And so. what a sweet image of a loving God that paints, right? Yeah. Like yeah. Krishna really, really wants us to get out of this suffering, yeah. but we have free will and we have desires. So until then... We got to, you know. And it's kind of a beautiful loophole, right? Because I always say like, what do you take with you when you die? You take nothing. You don't take your family. You don't take your money. You don't take your yeah. house. You don't take anything else. But mm -hmm. Krishna has given us this beautiful mercy of like, you take that spiritual progress. And mm -hmm. that's kind of a, I mean, the fact that you're all listening to this podcast right now, it's not a coincidence. You've, exactly. The fact that you've come to chapter five with us is means you've been here before. You've made that spiritual progress. Yeah. Right, so right. we'll pick it back up where we left off. <laughs> right. So basically that, that even though our soul is full of knowledge, it's blissful, it's pure. We're prone by our limited bodies and our natures and the influences of this world. We're prone to ignorance because of our limited power. And I love this line. It says, the Lord is omnipotent, which Priya. 
I'm going to put you on the hot spot. Yeah, what just, does omnipotent mean? It means all powerful. Mm, yeah. Yes. Right. Omni is like all, all knowing, all I know. powerful. We looked this up before we the episode did. and we learned that omni means all. Yeah. Right? So like yeah. any, and then we know potent means. It's like powerful. Yeah. So the Lord is all powerful, but the living entity, we are not. So basically in Sanskrit, they say the Lord is vibhu or omniscient. Priya, what is omniscient? All knowing. Oh, you're so smart. Love oh, this. <laughs> it's one of those words that you feel like, you know, we know, we've heard a million times, but how would we describe it? Yeah. Um, and so the Lord is Vibhu, omniscient or omnipotent, all knowing, all powerful, all seeing, but the living entity is Anu or atomic. So because we're a living soul, we have the capacity to desire by free will. So our desires are going to ultimately be fulfilled by the omnipotent Lord. So when we are bewildered and desire something that may not necessarily be good for us, the Lord automatically has to allow us to fulfill our desires. But he's never responsible for the actions and reactions. And this reminded me of like... Um, I've heard this a lot. I don't know if I made it up. Or Sorry, can you say it. that again and then continue? That was powerful. Yeah, for sure. The Lord allows to, us to fulfill our desires, but is never responsible for the actions and reactions, right? Mm -hmm. Of the particular... It is not His doing, right? right. It's like we, we, we do these things, right? Yeah. Right. And so it reminded me of, and like I'm sure we can continue on in a second, but it mm -hmm. reminded me on of... Uh, the idea, like, for example, a mom or a dad with their mm -hmm. kid, the mm -hmm. kid really wants to touch the fire, right? I love that, yeah. They look at fire, they're like, that looks so cool, I want to touch it. It's it's an instinct that kids want to discover and figure out things for themselves. Yep. So there's two types, of, I mean, there's many types of parents, but there's one type of parent out there that will be like, okay, you know, if if that's Live what you learn. want, if that's what your desire that's what your is, desire is yeah. right? If that's your desire, and I've told you multiple times, it's going to hurt and you shouldn't do it, you know? you know, do as you will. Mm -hmm. I'm not responsible, but I'll take care of you. And I think that's what Krishna is at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'll still take care of you when you make mistakes or when you go mm -hmm. whichever direction you're going because you have free will. Yeah, because you know what? Ultimately, the parent who tries to control and doesn't let the kid do anything wrong, that kid will still do stuff behind the parent's back and will have to learn the hard way anyway. Yes. So Krishna will always still love us and be there, but ultimately we're going to do what we're going to do and we have to try to get out of that. We have race. these desires, you know, and so we have to figure out. Um, so Krishna's like, I can't control you. I want you to figure this out and like become the best version of yourself. And right. And I'm not responsible for those actions and I'll be here to take care of you. <laughs> right. And he did. It's not like he's in a cold way. Like I'm not responsible for it. I'm just going to be over here as you mess your own life up. Like he's given us all this knowledge. He's given us all these like uh, someone once told me they're like God winks. Like every time God winks. Yeah, I love that. I loved it. They're like little like signs along the way. We have the knowledge. We have the Bhagavad Gita. We have the chanting. We have all these resources that are there if we want, you know, mm -hmm. Krishna is just giving us the free will to take a step towards him because ultimately that's what love is. He can't force us mm -hmm. to take yeah. a step towards him. That's true. So we have to have free will in order for it to be a loving relationship. Yeah. Nobody wants forced love, right? Like right. you don't want to be in a relationship where the other person is forced to love exactly. you. Exactly. It's like a possessive, toxic relationship. If 100%. not, it's like, I will make sure you don't do anything bad for me, for yourself. And you always love me and you always give me attention. Yeah. Like, no, that's no. not the deal. Yeah. We don't want that. And, and neither does Krishna, right? Right. And I think this is also a beautiful line here. It says the Lord is in is the constant companion mm. of the living entity as Paramatma, which is like the super soul next to our soul. And so right. therefore he can understand the desires of 
the individual soul. So each of us, right? So it's like he knows in our heart, right? I think if if you look deep down, like we we might have all these desires, like, oh, I want to be this. I want to do that. Mm-hmm. I want to do that. But in, in the f- deep of my heart, I still like love Krishna. I want to be exactly. with Krishna. And like Krishna understands all of yes. us, right? Like he's there with us. And does it mean that he, he like... Uh, the next line after what you read, Priya, it says, as one can smell the fragrance of a flower by being near it. So he can understand our desires. Doesn't mean Krishna is being pushed around by the modes of material nature mm-hmm. and ignorance and has all these like material desires. You know what I mean? Gets but yeah, he, he gets it. He gets it. Yeah. And, and then so it says, however, or not however, when one desires Krishna, the Lord takes special care mm-hmm. in such a way that one can attain to him and be eternally happy. I love that. Yeah. When he says, when you say when one, he takes special care, I actually feel like that happens in our life, right? Oh, yeah. It's like when you want to live a more spiritual life and you want to take a step in, in, in bhakti, there's these magical little things mm-hmm. that happen. God wings. Like, yeah, the God wings, right? <laughs> it's like he introduces you to the right person or you uh-huh. come across someone who's selling a book and oh, where, or yes. you meet someone in a, in a random place that literally changes your life. It literally is magic. It's like uh, someone had once described it that they were newer to the path and they're like, it was like following the breadcrumbs. I was running around and picking up breadcrumbs that led me to the next one, ultimately leading me to Krishna. So basically we kind of went through the theme in this purport of number one, we talked about desires, right? And in our bewildered condition, we we try to find happiness in these temporary, miserable places that's not ultimately the source of happiness. The next theme was um, Krishna is not responsible for those things because you know what? There's a powerful line here that says, the Lord fulfills his desires as he deserves. So the Lord fulfills our desires as we deserve. Man proposes and God disposes. I'm going to repeat that. Oh, yes. Man proposes and God disposes. My so mom we, used to say that line to me yeah, all the time. Right. <laughs> so right, we're not omnipotent in fulfilling our desires, but if we have them and if we're putting energy to try to get them, okay, they're yeah. there. That we my, have free will. I, that's so wild because my mom used to say that to me growing up all the time and I didn't understand that at all. But it's basically like we can make all the plans that we want. We can be like, <laughs> I'm going to apply to this job. I'm going to move to this city. I'm going to be this person. I'm going to be this. And then and then God, God disposes of all those plans. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that was theme two. He's not responsible. Yep. Uh, theme three that I liked was he understands though. He gets it. He understands our situation. Um, and he takes special interest in us when, not special interest, but he takes special care when our desires are to try to get close to him. And the fourth theme that I wanted to bring up from the purport is our current situation, because the embodied soul by our immemorial desire to avoid Krishna or everything to do with Krishna, because we want to be our own all powerful being, it, this causes our own bewilderment. So we're, even though we're, con- we're eternally blissful uh, cognizant and all of those other good things because of our forget from for, forgetfulness forgetfulness <laughs> <laughs> of our eternal existence we become trapped by the spell of ignorance and that's how the rat race continues so under the spell of ignorance the living entity claims that the lord is responsible for his conditional existence 
there's a really big thing that we wanted to talk mm -hmm. about in this particular um, purport because uh, and maybe this is something that we start with the next episode. Yeah, uh, because it's a to big give one. You, just to give you a little clue, we've heard a lot of people ask, why do bad things happen to good people? The eternal right? question. And so we're going to talk about that on the yeah, next episode. We'll the little cliffhanger. <laughs> Thank you for listening, everybody. We will continue the next episode with Chapter 5, Text 16. Ah, and it feels good to be back, good you guys. Back, so Thank you so much for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye. 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 Hello, beautiful souls. If you like what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast. And if you love what you're hearing, please make sure to share a link to our podcast at Modern Yogi Podcast with all your friends, families, and long lost cousins. And if you have any questions at all, send us a DM on Instagram at Modern Yogi Podcast and we'll be sure to get back to you. Thank you for listening to The, the Modern, Modern Yogi. Yogi.